Hello there, and a very warm welcome to episode nine of the Frantic Football Podcast on World Football Index. I'm Neil Shalat, and I'm delighted to welcome Alex Barker to the podcast. Hello, Alex. Hello, Neil. I'm very happy to be here once again. Yeah, very very happy to have you. And well, uh, we've got loads of games again uh, to go through because it's a Monday, so we'll be covering stuff from all over Europe and all over the world. Uh, including a couple of games from uh, Germany and Austria, which caught our eye. Absolute the, the crazy amount of stuff going on in England. Uh, and then there's there's some very interesting stuff uh, from elsewhere too. We've got an interesting Eredivisie game. We've got loads of stuff from Greece, actually. Uh, we've And yeah, we've, we've also got some transfers. Even though the windows are shut in most parts, there's still some places doing business. So we've got a couple moves to discuss as well. So once again, it's looking a pretty busy episode. So without further ado, let's get started. Alright, uh, let's let's start with one final that took place this weekend. I'm of course talking about the African Nations Championship, uh, the tournament of course contested by African teams but made up only of players who play their cup club football based in Africa too. Uh, this one was held in Algeria, we've covered this one before when it started uh, and the final featured the hosts, Algeria, looking for their first title uh, against Senegal who, who've, who've also never won this trophy before. Uh, Algeria were definitely the favourites going into this one. They'd won all three of their group games 1-0. Uh, and in the semi-final, they beat uh, Niger 5-0. So, so they basically scored it and conceded none going into this match. Uh, but Senegal played played really well. They they uh, defended well. Uh, they, they contained Algeria very well. So no goals in the match. No goals in normal time. No goals in extra time. We went to penalties. And it was on penalties where Senegal won 5-4. So, this was their uh, first ever win. Uh, and th- th- this tournament, as we mentioned uh, at the start of our coverage of this, uh, is, is one where it offers the, the many of the players uh, a real great platform to, to shine and you know attract interest from all over the world and perhaps find a move abroad. There's many players in the past who've done it that we've mentioned. And, and so, we will be g- giving this more detailed coverage. Uh, tomorrow, we'll be recording a special episode on the African Nations Championship. Uh, so stay tuned for that. That'll be dropping on our Patreon. So if you can subscribe, please do. We'd, we'd really appreciate it. Uh, and, and you can listen to that as well as all our other uh, extra episodes uh, on our Patreon. But now let's move on to our uh, bread and butter, which is, of course, league games. So l- let's start in Germany, where we had an interesting clash between Wolfsburg and Bayern. What do you make of this one, Alex? I think, I think interesting undersells it. It's the frantic football podcast. I'll be quick with it, but this this game we could talk about all all show. So Bayern Munich beat Wolfsburg away away at Volkswagen Arena. Um, Bayern, in typical fashion, against a team in the Bundesliga that seems to be in good form, were dominating early on. Three 0 up inside twenty minutes. Kingsley Coman scoring one of the goals of the season. An exquisite volley. Muller getting a header. Coman getting another as well. Wolfsburg looked down and out. They sub off. Nico Kovac subs off after 30 minutes. Um, Maxine's Lacroix. He hadn't been great, but I think it's more to switch away from a back five. Camera cuts at half time to Lacroix 
uh, not even half time of it earlier, crying in the tunnel, punching walls, getting like visibly angry, wanting to go straight into the dressing room, and Joshua Gedavogi just like dragging him out and being like, no, sit on the bench with us. He's fuming. But from 30 minutes on, Bayern go, I think, 55 minutes without shot on target as Wolfsburg out of nowhere absolutely dominate them. Uh, Kaminski came on, a young Polish player, I believe, who's like 20, uh, 20 years old. He scored. He was genuinely excellent. He Even though Bayern won, he had like, you know, an argument to be man of the match. Uh, and to really sell this to you, Neil, the XG for this game, Bayern won 4-2. They had XG of 0.5. Wolfsburg scored two and ASG of 2.3. They were absolutely battering them and they probably could have drawn at least if it wasn't for uh, Jamal Musiliala turning into full Diego Maradona late on and dribbling past six or seven players. But it showed de- this game definitely deserved a nice bit of coverage from us because one, it showed Wolfsburg under Kovac, a really young team, Van der Ven at the back, exciting, um, showed a young team in good form and bouncing back from an early, you know, early mishaps and buying despite the dominance, despite Shao Cancelo playing and being really well, still very fragile at the back and still very fragile across identity ahead of that clash with PSG. Yeah, and I think that's their first uh, league win since the restart, isn't it? Uh, they drew their last three games. So, well, you know, there's lots of people talking about a potential title race in the Bundesliga this season. It's, it's certainly very close at this moment uh, by an R top after that win, but Union Berlin following them very closely. Just a point off after beating Mainz 2-1 uh, on Saturday, I believe, with, with a, another late goal. This time 84 minutes in. Uh, as uh, Dortmund won as well. Uh, they comfortably beat Freiburg uh, thanks to an early red card for Freiburg. So they are within three points uh, of Bayern. Leipzig are four behind after drawing. Uh, to Köln, uh, and yeah, that's that's four points between the top four. So, I mean, you know, as ever, Bayern could put together like ten straight wins and run away. But uh, as Alex says, there they're, they're not looking as dominant as ever. Do you want to hear a fun fact? Since Marco Rosa took over at RB Leipzig, if you just have the table starting from when he took over, yeah, but uh, Leipzig are five points clear of Bayern at the top of the table. Wow, they've lost just one game under Rosa across Europe and in the league, just yeah. once. Wow. So, definitely a team to watch there. You're right to bring indeed, them up. Indeed. Yeah, should be really interesting. Elsewhere in the Bundesliga, let me quickly just mention, uh, Hoffenheim were thrashed 5-2 by Bochum. Uh, and that has seen them go level on points with their rivals, just with 19 points, uh, which means they're just a couple of spots above the relegation zone. Of course, they had a great start to the season. Uh, after about six games, I believe they were up in the Champions League spots with like four wins. Uh, that that's of course after Andre Breitenreiter came in. We spoke about him uh, in, in some good detail, I think a week or two ago, with Craig King uh, on our FC Zurich focus because he won the league with FC Zurich uh, last season. Uh, but now he's gone. Uh, they sacked him after this loss, uh, and there's, there's now obviously talk of a potential replacement among the candidates. We've got Ralph Hasenhüttl, who of course was at Southampton last, so that should be an interesting uh, situation to monitor. Let's now just quickly jump over the border to Austria, where football returned after almost three months uh, of World Cup slash winter break uh, combined. Uh, it, it returned with the cup quarterfinals on Friday. The big one, I suppose, was uh, league leaders uh, RB Salzburg against a side in second in the league, uh, Sturm Graz. Six points between them in the league. Uh, Salzburg, of course, have won the last nine straight 
Austrian Bundesliga that is looking to make it a decade of dominance. Uh, but the cup is such that, you know, one off night and you're out. Uh, and that, that's what happened for Salzburg. Uh, Sturm Graz looked, looked really good. They were quite impressive. Took the lead in the first half. Uh, second half, Salzburg looked better. They had one equalizer ruled out. Uh, but then eventually in the 76th minute, uh, they did score. Uh, the match went to extra time. Nothing doing there, really. And there was penalties. Uh, Sturm actually missed the very first effort of the of the penalties. But, I mean, it was saved, I should say. Uh, but then, after that, they were they were spotless. They scored all of their subsequent five attempts. Uh, Salzburg missed their fourth. Uh, and then and then the door died, the sixth one. So it was Sturm Graz who go through to the semifinals. This will just be the second time, I believe, since uh, 2013 that a side other than Erbe Salzburg will win the Austrian Cup. Uh, it, it was Sturm Graz who, who broke their, their streak in the middle, I think, in 2018. Uh, and they'll they'll be looking to do, to do that again, of course. Uh, in, in their path, they, they may face uh, Rapid Wien, uh, Reed, and Lask. Those are the other four semi-finalists. Uh, and, of course, we'll, we'll be keeping an eye on, on the rest of the knockouts in the Austrian Cup. Of course, the, the Bundesliga, the Austrian Bundesliga, will be back from next week. Okay, now let's let's move over to England, where... <laughs> Absolutely all sorts of stuff has been going on over the last weekend. Let's quickly start with some WSL action because there was there were loads of results uh, at the top of the table. Uh, so, f- firstly, we had... Well, well let, let's start with the London Derby. Let's start with uh, Spurs against Chelsea, or of course, in the title race. Chelsea won uh, 3-2 uh, in, in a pretty, pretty exciting match. Uh, they scored early on through uh, Jessica Carter. Spurs equalised with Beth England, who was, of course, once off Chelsea and, and um, moved over to Tottenham for a world record transfer fee earlier this month. Well, last month now. And then Lauren James scored an incredible goal to put Chelsea ahead. Uh, and then Guru Wright in, in the second half uh, gave them the cushion that eventually was enough for the win. So that takes Chelsea first because both Manchester United and Arsenal dropped points. Manchester United were uh, facing Everton. Uh, they were at home, but they, they couldn't score. No goals in that game. This is a great defensive performance from Everton, really. Uh, some great goalkeeping, too. Uh, and so they dropped two points. And Arsenal were at West Ham in another London derby. Uh, and they, too, couldn't score. That was Nilin as well. So it's Chelsea who are now top uh, with 31 points. Manchester United second with 29. Arsenal third on 26, but they have played a fewer game. Uh, so they could, if they win, of course, uh, be up on 29 points as well. So in that case, the top three will be separated by just two points in the WSL. So that that's that's a title race to watch too. Uh, and then over in the Premier League, wow, all sorts of stuff going on here too. Uh, let's let's start with let's start with Sean Dyche at Everton. We've spoken about him before uh, with Matt on on the podcast after uh, Frank Lampard was sacked. But now finally, Sean Dyche has had his first game in charge of the club and it was at Arsenal and they won. What happened, Alex? Yeah, it was classic Sean Dyche. Lots of people have been raving over Dyche, which I'll kind of touch on in a second, but over his tactical setup at Burnley, how he always managed to protect the box and he's got this habit of describing concepts that we like to talk about as nerds, like rest defence, like deep blocks, like pressing cover shadows and etc. 
And Daesh seems to, whenever he talks about his football, he always talks about these terms without actually saying them. And he, he is an expert class against Arsenal. He beat him again on next year. I think Arsenal limited to 0.7. They never really had a clear chance. I saw most Arsenal fans actually saying that they were deservedly beaten by Everton under Daesh. It's just very good at protecting that. Um, Everton very good at protecting their goal and funneling Arsenal attacks out wide. And I tell you what, I think it highlighted something that maybe kind of think of as well. I, I, I can't remember the last time Everton had a manager who is this humorous. I've been, I don't know about you, but I just keep getting recommended now clips of Daesh in the past. He's lots of humorous interviews, bits where he's just like, oh, look, Messi signed for Burnley and all this stuff. And I think you really saw the effect on Saturday of having a guy who's just able to put a smile on the people's faces in a club that is so entrenched in chaos that I really saw life breathe back into Everton fans. So, and that's probably why uh, a certain club sacks their manager, which we'll touch on in a minute, because they're worried that now Everton are going to climb out the relegation zone. Yeah, uh, of course, we, we'll move on to that, as you say, but Everton's still in that drop zone for now, but they have moved up to 18th place uh, and they're just, well, they're level on points with said club. Uh, which will remain unnamed for now, even though everyone knows what we're talking about. Uh, okay, quickly first, uh, most of at the top of the table, uh, Tottenham got their annual win over Manchester City at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium uh, as a standard procedure. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, you know how this one goes. Everyone knows this game. But to be fair, this time, you know, usually in these games, what happens is Tottenham score early and then City dominate and then they get hit on the counter. But this time, Tottenham scored early and City, they created some chances, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't say they dominated. It was more end to end. So I. 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 I'd say this was a deserved win for Tottenham. Uh, but for, for Manchester City, there's more pressing matters uh, to be worried about at the moment because just earlier today it was revealed that the Premier League has charged them with over a hundred financial breaches uh, in an investigation that took four years to complete and uh, focused on, I believe, seasons from 2008, nine to 2000. Uh, 16-17 was it or was it 17-18? Basically a long period of time and over 100 uh, financial breaches uh, and, and loads of allegations uh, have, have been leveled at them. Now this matter will be taken up uh, by an independent commission and, and it'll be reviewed, reviewed further and it'll be a long process. Uh, but one thing that will not happen is that this case will not go to the court for arbitration of sport. Uh, because I think that's some sort of Premier League procedure. I've read some place that this was this rule was placed after Manchester City's UEFA ban was overturned uh, by the Court for Arbitration of Sport. Uh, but well, in short, this one's going to be a, a pretty long uh, procedure. I, I think at least it'll, it'll probably take lots of time before something. I'll tell happens. you what, I'm, no, not, no. I'm not sure to I'm not sure to be fair because I know. I, I thought the same with Juventus, but then it seemed like almost two within two weeks after all the stuff came out of them, they got their points deduction. And I feel like yeah, everything but I've I kind think, of. I uh, think City can appeal this, not at, not in the court for arbitration of sport. They can appeal it locally, so I'm right, I'm, right. I'm sure they will. <laughs> knowing knowing what they, I mean, who knows? But but well, definitely what we can say is that things are happening. You know. These things are being it might, investigated. It, it really might have, yeah, it might impact this season. It might not be a thing that's like postponed to next year. If it impacts yeah. this season, that'd be huge. Yeah, I mean, you know, sanctions are, they're saying all sorts of stuff from fines to points deductions to even expulsion, uh, strip titles, all sorts of potential sanctions are being thrown around. So who, who knows what will happen with uh, certainly a case to follow. Okay, 
let's talk about that unnamed club. Uh, Jesse Marsh sacked from Leeds United. Uh, that was just a few hours before we started recording, actually. Uh, uh, you know, there, there, there's been. I think this is one of the most polarizing topics that that's been going on over the course of the season. So, I'd, I'd be interesting to hear your thoughts, Alex. Do you think this is a fair decision? Yeah, I think it is actually. Um, I've seen actually a lot of reaction online from non-Leeds fans saying this was, um, you know, this is a really harsh decision. I think Jesse Marsh is quite a likable guy. Everyone likes what he's trying to do, but nearly every Leeds fan I've seen speak on the matter is. Um, it's pretty happy he's gone. It just seems uh, Marsh's team only really thrives in transitional play. And even then it's so chaotic and it it, it just seems like ever since he's joined, he's never really had true control over his team. And he's always had question marks. Obviously it's a tough act to follow in Marcelo Bielsa, but I've I've read a lot of what people like uh, Aaron Monis, I believe I've got his name right. I should mean who have spoken before. And John McKenzie have said online about saying, listen, this isn't the case of you know treating a manager harshly. This is Leeds currently level on points with Everton, just ahead of them by goal difference. Recognise Everton on an upward trend and recognising that they need to uh, they they need to act quickly. But quick note, we haven't got this in the pod plan, ladies and gentlemen. But quick note, Neil, I, I wonder what this means for Southampton because Nathan Jones is under uh, insurmountable pressure, and he his comments at the weekend. Go and find him online. If you're listening, they were horrific. Like how arrogant he came across, how he just as against the fans he comes across. Southampton, if like they, I've seen a lot of fans worry because if Leeds sat, Leeds are sat Jesse Marsh, they if Southampton sat Jones, both those clubs are probably going for the same manager. So this might not be just big for Leeds, but it could also be big for Southampton too in the relegation race. Yeah, definitely. This is. Uh, another really interesting situation to monitor. I, I I should I just want to add one thing, which is that I mean, uh, as you said, I think you know, from a tactical point of view, there have been huge question marks over Leeds, and I do think the decision was totally justified on those grounds. But it it just seems puzzling to me that they they spent so many millions of pounds on players that this guy wanted, like two weeks ago, and they're sacking him now. So you know, you you either don't uh. You you don't sanction, you don't do you don't make those signings which is what I'd have done, uh, or if you make them then you give the guy some time with those players because it's just like you brought in his players and then you're like okay off you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah fair point. One for me. But uh, well, you know, you mentioned uh, potential replacements. I think one name which caught my eye has been uh, Carlos Corberan. He's he's currently uh, in the championship uh, with uh, West Brom. And, he, and, you know, I haven't really watched too much of them, but I have watched a couple of games and I've read loads of stuff uh, saying saying he, he he's doing some very, very interesting things there. He was previously at Olympiacos earlier this year. Uh, again, did, only watched a couple of games, but from the stuff I've read, he, he was doing some 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 very interesting things. Uh, unfortunately, results, uh, results didn't go his, his way there, so he, he was sacked pretty soon. And, and before that, he's been at Huddersfield uh, for a couple of years as well. So... I think this is this would be perhaps uh, one of the most interesting appointments uh, this season if it does happen. But of course, uh, time can only tell. Right, let's let's move on then, because we've got loads more. Uh, let, let's let's start getting to some of the other results. Uh, the Club World Cup got underway in Morocco uh, over the weekend. We had a couple of the well, the quarterfinals. Well, you know. Not not the quarterfinals. Yeah, yeah. I guess you could call them the quarterfinals. Uh, w- one of those featured 
to the local side. Uh, Fidad uh, Casablanca, they are out, unfortunately, though. Uh, they were beaten by Al Hilal on penalties uh, after Al Hilal only equalized 90 minutes in. So at, at the very last moment, really, uh, from uh, the spot, from, from a penalty themselves. Uh, and then the other game, uh, we had, who did we have? Yeah, we had Al Ali, that's, that's from Egypt, uh, against Seattle Sounders uh, for, from uh, CONCACAF. And another, another late goal here, 88 minutes in this time uh, for Al Ali to advance to the semifinals. So, so now we'll be getting uh, the, the, the two big names, Real Madrid and Flamengo. Uh, they will be in action over the week. And then, then we'll have, of course, the final next weekend. So we'll be keeping an eye on the, Of course, this is the last, uh, I think, right? This is the last uh, Club World Cup uh, with this small format of just one team from each uh, continent. We'll, oh, we'll have you're right. Yes. The 32 yes, teams from 2023. Because this is the 2022 World Cup. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> it's very <laughs> whatever that whatever that looks like. <laughs> yeah, but basically, loads more teams in the next Club World Cup. So, uh, we'll of course be very excited when that comes around. Uh, okay, over in Spain, I just want to really quickly mention Elche finally getting that first win of the league season, and and they, they didn't they didn't beat any any small team either. They beat Villarreal, of course, c- competing for the Champions League spots. Three one it was. Peremia getting a hat trick. Uh, two goals from the spot, one early opener uh, at the end of a cross. Uh, but unfortunately, he had to go off injured with a suspected broken collarbone. Uh, so, uh, of course, Elche will, will... Well, no one really liked to see that. And and we hope uh, it's not too serious for him and that he can recover quickly. Uh, but, well, in spite of that win, Elche remain, of course, last. And, and even if you doubled their points tally right now, they would still be last. So... Yeah, it's going to take quite something for them to come out of that. But but we'll see. Uh, let, let's move on. Let's go to the Netherlands, the Eredivisie, which seems to have some big, big games every week. What happened this time, Alex? Well, Feyenoord had a huge home game against PSV in the title race. Obviously, whoever wins this game would have uh, taken a big step forwards and a big statement made to get in the Eredivisie at the end of the season. But it ended up as a draw. However, it's one the final will be extremely happy with. We had Anwar El Ghazi score early on for PSV. Torgan Hazard on loan for Borussia Dortmund. That's a transfer I missed. Um, scored as well about the 68th minute. And final looked really down and out. And they were creating a lot of chances, but I think it was only more late on. They carried on pushing. And former Brighton man and uh, more of a long-serving player now, and he has it. Yahambash came on, uh, and he scored in the eighty-first minute, bring it back to two-one. And then in the ninety-sixth minute, from about twenty-five yards out, Yahambash cuts inside, gets too much space in fairness, and bends a shot into the far corner. I tell you what, it's really worth watching the highlight just to see the crowd explode behind the goal. Everyone just rises like in symphony, and. I think he even had a chance afterwards to uh, score again. I was talking with a fan. They said if he got a hat-trick, he would have got a statue. Uh, but yeah, huge result for final in the end. And they stay top of the Eredivisie. Yeah, and I think there was a red card involved too, wasn't there? I think Pace had a player sent off just before that Hazard. Yes, Obispo. Obispo? Obispo, yes. Yeah, but yeah, what a match that was. You know what? You spoke of that goal, but I'll do one better. I'll tell you the best goal of the weekend by far. I saw it in League 2. Uh, so, 
Saint Etienne, of course, you've spoken about them before. They were away at, uh, uh, well, they were at home at uh, two on NC. It was two two. I think the last ten minutes uh, from the left flank, Niels Nkunku of Everton, previously sends sends a long ball across the box. Uh, well, sends a long ball across towards the box, to, you know, to the right side of the box. If if you're with me. And then there's Matthew Cafaro there, uh, who, who's previously been at standard Liège. So the ball bounces just before getting to his feet, right? So he takes a touch, but the ball's bouncing up. So it just loops up in front of him when he takes that touch. And so then there's a looping ball, and he hits it with his instep, sort of on the on the sort of the wall. I mean, it's coming down, and he hits it with instep. So it doesn't get much power, but he lobs it, and he lobs it straight to the far post above the keeper's head, and like. I mean, about as top corner as you can get from there. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I can't do it justice by describing it, but I'll try and find a clip and link it below the, the tweet about the podcast on Twitter. But yeah, that was that was some goal. That was incredible. Uh, but let me let me come back to the Eredivisie quickly because I want to mention Ajax uh, again. They beat Kambur five nil. They finally look like they're back. Of course, we've spoken about Alfred Schroeder getting the sack. A couple of weeks ago now, was it? Uh, and then yes. he, he's been replaced by Johnny Heitinger. Uh, initially, it was on an interim basis, but I have read now that he will he, he's expected to remain in charge till the end of the season. And they're starting to look, to look better. This, this performance against Kambur was the Ajax we know. It was completely dominant and the scoreline reflects it. They blew them away 5-0. Okay, let's... let's Move over then, let's go to Belgium. Uh, interesting title race there too, of course. It will be further, uh, well, further stirred by the playoff format. But for now, let me talk about Hent versus Henk. Just the one letter separating the two sides. Uh, and not a lot to split them on the pitch either. Uh, it was an early lead that Ghent were able to take uh, through Hyun Seok Hong, who's been really impressive this season. Uh, but then... Joseph Painsill equalized for Genk. Uh, they took the lead in the second half through Colin Soar, who, who they've signed, uh, I think, earlier in the window. And then, I hope I'm saying his name right, but Tolu Valase Arokodare, the, the striker they've signed uh, from Amiens in Ligue 2 after uh, Paul Onuachu moved to Southampton, came off the bench for his debut and got the third goal of the match, a really important goal, because Laurent de Poitre equalized for Ghent immediately thereafter. So it was that goal from Arakodare that ensured uh, Ghent kept all the three points and kept their seven-point lead at the top of the table for now. So that was a great game too. Uh, let's, let's move over. Let's go. Let's go to Portugal now. Alex has got something for us from there. What do you have? Uh, I have an update on uh, Porto from Portugal. Uh, there was a player they signed a few years ago called uh, Pepe from Brazil. Um, I think he's still 23 years old. I thought, oh, you know, young Brazilian going to Porto, <laughs> keep an eye on He wasn't playing too much. He is now, and he scored a very nice tight finish against uh, Vizela at the weekend in a 2-0 victory. And I found it interesting as well because I was looking at Porto's uh, results and since the start of November they've won every single game bar two and those two games they've drawn uh, they've been on a re- really strong run but they're still seven points off, well, I think eight points off actually Benfica at the top of the table so shows how great Benfica's form is but don't keep your eyes off Porter and I've, oh, they've, they're have they starting a few more youngsters than you might expect in um 
Uh, Sergio Conceição team. João Mario, not that one, starting all right back, a 23-year-old. Diogo Costa still in goal. Ivan Olsen up front to, uh, yeah, interesting team. Uh, good 2 0 victory the weekend. Yeah, and, and you mentioned Benfica there. That they were also pretty convincing in a 3-0 win, I think, over newly promoted Casa Pia, who, even though they lost, I'd like to mention them because this is their first league season, a uh, top flight season, sorry, in about 80 years. And they're all the way up in fifth place. They're very much in the race for Europe. And, well, that would be quite some special story. Uh, so, so that's one to keep an eye on, too. Okay, let's let's go over to Greece. Alex, if you haven't seen if you haven't seen this uh, in in our agenda, where do you think? Okay, t- tell me, Alan Pardew's last two jobs. Oh God! <laughs> go on, take a guess. Right, no, I, mean, on, I, I gave away Greece, right? So guess a club, I suppose. His last two jobs wasn't was the other one Adio Den Haag in the Eredivisie was that too far was that too long ago I think that was long ago but you know what let me just verify that but I I, I think I know yeah no no that that was that was three jobs I mean that was his third last job that so was three close. jobs ago yeah, what's that he, I'd be doing he's, uh, he's uh, had a couple of really interesting ones he, he, gonna, he's been around I'm gonna Dude. guess in Greece he's at Pauk um, mm. and I've no idea the other two no, I mean, there's just one more. So he, he was uh, in Bulgaria before at uh, Siska <laughs> Sofia, uh, but he was just there for a few months from April last year to June. And then he's been at Aris Thessaloniki in Greece. But now, just this weekend, he, he, he's been sacked. Uh, there's, there's been some loads of stuff going on at the club. Of course, the results are not going their way. But apparently uh, on Instagram, uh, Alan Halilovich, who who was linked to them in the window, but did manage to make the move, uh, put out a, a post saying that, uh, that basically there's been lots of lies uh, about him failing a medical at Aris, and and he was he was denying them. He, he said he passed uh, the the medical, but but the truth he says is that the club didn't meet the terms on paper that they'd verbally agreed. So that's why he didn't make that move, uh, and and of course he was one of the players that a party wanted. Uh, but... Is this is Alan Helovich? Is this the guy who was at Barcelona? I think, yeah. Let, let me wow. let me let me check that too. But yeah, so let me let me check. Yep. Uh, all, all right. Let's let's do this. Do you want do you want to guess where else he's been? Because this guy's been places. <laughs> uh, he's a good been. Wow. Oh, that's what. Right. He's the Zagreb. Some... Yep, that's where he started. Then Barcelona. Then he he went on loan. I I'll give this away to to Sporting Gijon in Spain. And then permanent move to Germany. Any guesses where? Uh, Schalke. Hamburg. Mm. Oh. Okay. Then loan to Las Palmas. Then to Italy. Italy. Mm. Uh, Barry. Nope. Uh, it, I'll give you I'll give you another hint. It's a top club. Yeah. One of the one of the oh, top club. club. Uh, Bologna. No, no, one of the big seven. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Um, uh, Lazio. Milan. Wow. Oh, yes, that does ring a bell, actually. Yeah, and, and, and then he moved to Belgium, a fairly big club, but underperforming lately. That's, that's a decent thing, I reckon. Oh, uh, good, good. Underperforming lately, that could be two. Uh, club Brugge or Ghent? No, no, like on a, on a wider scale underperforming, like over the last few years. Oh, Anderlecht. Standard. Standard oh, standardly yeah. fair. Then, uh, okay, I'll say this. Then he went to Herenveen in the Netherlands, Birmingham yeah, City, Reading. <laughs> now he's in Croatia. 
uh, at Rijeka, if I'm saying that right. Wow. <laughs> that, is I mean, yeah. that is incredible. So, well, that, that's a good year and a half for you. Bro, All okay, of this from Alan Pardew. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, well we, we've got to keep going. We've got more games. Uh, over in Chile, we've spoken about Magallanes before. Uh, really historic club. Won the first three league titles back in the 1930s. Finally back in the top flight this season after uh, almost close to 50 years, I think, uh, in the lower divisions. And they finally won their first point back in the top flight. They they were in front, actually, and the opponents had a player center of two, uh, but they just couldn't hold on to their lead. Consider an equalizer, but at least uh, that's first points on board. Uh, and then, well, let, let's see if, if they can build on from that. Of course, they will be playing in the Copa Libertadores qualifiers because they won the Copa Chile last season. So a, a pretty incredible story there, actually. Um, let, let's quickly go over to Venezuela as well, where, where Liga Futwe started uh, this weekend. Uh, one of the big stories was Estudiantes, uh, of, from, of course, Venezuela, not the Argentine club. Uh, they were basically in, in big, big financial trouble. They weren't paying wages. Uh, and basically, before the season, it seemed that they wouldn't be able to compete. They weren't even training. Uh, and the, the, the league was prepared to start with 15 teams instead of these usual 16. So it was all looking lost, really. Uh, but then, uh, the, I, I forget who it was. But basically, a, a new president steps in uh, and basically uh, clear, effectively clears their debts uh, and, and enables them to start this. And I am not entirely sure about what exactly has happened here and whether there are uh, any, any, whether there still is any uh, potential f- for these issues to resurface in the future. But I'll try and research that more. But I thought it was a pretty incredible story, uh, especially because they, they were playing. Uh, a, a big derby. They they were playing uh, their 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 biggest rivals uh, in the division. They were up against Deportivo Tachira and well, they lost three 0 but, but as I said, pretty incredible that they managed to even play the game. Uh, of course, uh, Deportivo Tachira are the side who are the defending champions. Uh, no, sorry, are they, they no they won in twenty twenty one. Sorry, my bad. Uh, but yeah, they they are title contenders, I suppose. Uh, and Estudiantes in big, big trouble. But uh, let, let's see where that goes. Okay, let, let, let's go back to Greece, actually. We've, we've got some 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 imp- interesting games over there, actually. Uh, wh- one of them was uh, Pauk against Olympiakos in, in what is a really exciting title race. Uh, this side's third and fourth in the table uh, behind uh, Panathinaikos and IK. Uh, so th- they, they were unbeaten in like 13 games each in in all competitions going into this game. Uh, the kickoff was delayed by about 20 minutes because there was just a mad amount of flares going off in the stands. Like, basically, the whole the like the whole stand was just flares and the UEFA officials were there and all sorts of stuff was going on. A kickoff delayed, but eventually the game happened uh, and it might as well not have because there were no goals uh, and, and nothing really to speak of. Uh, but but they, they extend their unbeaten runs, of course. And at the top of the table, uh, Panathinaikos have, have been suffering lately. They've been losing, uh, well, dropping lots of points, but they were back on top, uh, well, at least back on track this week. And Alex was watching them. What do you think, Alex? Yeah, they've not got the most exciting squad. A lot of players are quite old in the team, like mid to late 20s. But uh, I managed to catch the extended highlights earlier. It's switching, I want to talk about them because I thought they played really good football. I think the manager is called Ivan Juranovic. And um, 
yeah, I was really impressed by the way they played. And Panathinaikos, they, they're in a pub quiz there because they're a, a great team who reached the final of the European Cup before. That's in 1971. I think they lost to Ajax then. Um, and they've reached the semi-finals a couple of times, quarter-finals of the Champions League as well, uh, 2002 at that recent. But they haven't won the league since 2010. But despite dropping points recently, they're still currently on track to do so, to uh, win the league for the first time in over a decade. Yeah, of course, uh, IKR hot on their heels. Uh, just a point of having played one fewer match. So that will be a really interesting title to follow too. I mentioned Pauk and Olympiakos. They're five points behind Panathinaikos, but definitely very much in the title race. So so four teams really competing uh, in Greece. So something to watch. Okay, let, let me just round up a couple of other ones. Uh, Ben's not on the board, but uh, he, he as, as ever, he, he's left us with something to speak about. Uh, the Adriatic Derby is what he's brought up. That was, that's in Croatia between Hajduk Split and uh, Rijeka, uh, where, of course, uh, our friend Alen Halilovic currently is. Uh, Rijeka won 2-1 uh, after, after uh, getting off to a pretty good start, conceding two late penalties, one of which was scored, and, and, and the last one, which was effectively the last meaningful kick of the game, was saved. It was Marco Livaya taking both. Of course, he, he was with Croatia at the World Cup. Uh, and yeah, scored one, saved one. And uh, th- that's led to Hajduk dropping more points uh, and going further behind Dinamo at the top of the table. Uh, eight points between them now. Uh, Dinamo also have a game in hand. So not much of a title race going on there. Uh, a couple of other games that Ben mentioned on Friday uh, included uh, Palmeiras uh, beating uh, Santos 3-1 uh, in, in, in Brazil. Uh, and in India, in the ISL, uh, Mumbai City drawing 1-1 uh, with Hyderabad FC uh, in, in a match with uh, a fair few controversial referee decisions, let's say. Uh, not Definitely not a new topic in the ISL. Uh, but, but yeah, I think I think that's about it for the games we have to round up. I, I, I do want to mention uh, uh, one more thing, which is that earlier today, of course, we had... Well, I think it's three earthquakes now uh, in, in Turkey and w- with effects felt in Syria too. Uh, of course, our, our thoughts go out to all those affected. I, I know I, I've seen some uh, tweets about uh, uh, footballers who, who who haven't been been who, who who we haven't heard from since the earthquake because there are a few uh, clubs based in South Turkey where, where this uh, earthquake of course occurred. Uh, and of course, our thoughts go out to to everyone affected by this. Um, uh, and, uh, yeah, we we hope that uh, you know, we 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 hope that everyone can can recover from this. But but uh, terrible news really uh, earlier today. Uh, and, and yeah, I think we finally just got some some uh, transfers to speak of. So let's just quickly do that. Uh, one of the ones we had was uh, Huang Uijo. We spoke uh, about him earlier. He, he's he's in he was in Greece rather with Olympiakos actually. Uh, it seemed he would be going to the ML uh, to MLS, but instead he has gone. I mean, of course he was there on loan from Nottingham Forest, so he's been recalled. But then he's been sent out now to FC Seoul uh, in in uh, the the Korean league. So uh, th- that's an interesting turn. I mean, per- perhaps there are reports of this happening, but I didn't see that one coming. Uh, what else have we got? We, ooh, we, we've got a, a pretty big name player uh, in a potential transfer that could still take place this month. I'm talking about Nicolo Zaniolo. 
what are your thoughts on this potential move, Alex? Yeah, it's quite there's like another career that's been like Kalil of it, should we discuss where it's been so promising, but it's like it's about to go down the hill. Um as Aniolo, he has had major injuries at Roma, but last season was his first full one back from injury, I believe. He got a handful of golfers and assists, and it seems this year he's been trying to push a move out, I think since the summer. And Roma and Mourinho have just not really stood for it. I think the line this January, from what I've read from Italian press, is that Roma just don't want him at the club anymore. In fact, it was reported uh, yesterday by Di Marzio that um, Galatasaray are in for Saniolo, but a sticking point is Galatasaray might fancy a loan. Uh, and of course, their transfer window ends, I think, on the 18th of February. They, they fancy a loan, whereas Roma said, no, you're not having a loan. We're taking him on. You have to take him on permanent move. So it's quite a. A bit of a sad term because Zaniola's a really talented player. Reminds me so much of Kulazewski, but he hasn't got the numbers to back up, you know, a move to a Premier League side. Only, I think, one or two assists this season, nothing else. And like I said, four goals assists last year. Um, and he is an attacker. We should judge him by these sort of statistics as much as the other underlying ones. So, yeah, bit of a shame. Um, nothing, no disrespect on Galatasaray, but this was a guy, I think, who was expected of much bigger things. Yeah, yeah, he, I think he wanted and was indeed linked with Milan earlier, uh, maybe in the summer. Uh, he was linked to a Premier League move though, wasn't he? Uh, the, the the red and black team in England, but that's Bournemouth. So a, a bit of a step down from Milan. Uh, and then now, of course, he's, he's off to potentially to uh, Galatasaray, who are, who are the league leaders, we should say, in Turkey. Uh, and, and they had a pretty big win this weekend. They beat the defending champions, Trabzonspor, 2-1 in, in a match they definitely did deserve to win. Uh, and they, they they do have a sizable lead at the top ahead of uh, Fenerbahce, their their big local rivals. Uh, but, but yeah, Zaniolo is a player who who definitely uh, most expected to 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 do to go on to you know bigger and better things at this stage in his career. But well, who knows? Let maybe he can he can uh, perhaps rebuild uh, in Turkey. But of course, we'll see if the move goes through. Uh, in the first place. Uh, and finally, one from MLS, uh, Georges Giacomakis uh, of Celtic is being linked, uh, well, he's moved actually, to uh, Atlanta United. Uh, I believe the fee is something around 4 million euros, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Giacomakis, of course, joined Celtic uh, from VVV Venlo in the Netherlands uh, on the back of an incredible season uh, when he finished as the top scorer in the Eredivisie, even though his side were relegated. Uh, so, so so then he's, he's been at Celtic uh, from 2021. Never really established himself as a regular starter, though. He does have 26 goals from 58 appearances, so that's, that's a pretty good return. Uh, but yeah, as I said, he, he's not really been able to establish himself uh, to get regular game time under uh, Ange Postecoglou. Uh, I, th- I think his stats from this season uh, say all, you know, he, 19 appearances in the league, just four starts and 15 uh, appearances off the bench. So I suppose for him, uh, it, it's a good move to get a regular game time. He, he's, he's, what, 28 years old now. So, uh, you know, towards the end of his prime, I suppose. Uh, and, and yeah, again, a great signing though for uh, for MLS, who, who, who've had an, an amazing window really in, in terms of big names joining that league. Uh, so, so. I personally, I am quite excited for the restart uh, in 2023. But yeah, I think that's about it. That's what we've got for today. Uh, loads of matches and and those few transfers. 
Uh, of course, we will be keeping an eye on, on the action this week. That includes uh, loads of cups, really, FA Cup replays, uh, the round of 16 in, DF, in Germany, in the DFB Pokal, uh, in the Netherlands, and in the Coupe de France. Quarterfinals in Portugal, which include a really interesting game, Braga versus Benfica. Club World Cup semi-finals that I mentioned. Copa Libertadores qualifiers getting underway the first round uh, in this week. And, ooh, we, we've, I, I mentioned this earlier, but let me just quickly say it again. Uh, we've got a special episode out tomorrow, well, hopefully tomorrow, or definitely day after, uh, focusing on the African Nations Championship. So we'll be reviewing the tournament and, and we'll be picking out all the players that impressed with a special guest who, who's been watching very closely. So do stay tuned for that on our Patreon. Uh, and then, of course, we'll be back on Friday as well uh, with, with the regular preview episode. Uh, but yeah, that's about it for today. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks for your time. Big thanks to Alex for coming on. Uh, and until Friday, goodbye.